Welcome to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help busy, high-achieving women overcome the financial stresses that can impact your health, wealth, and happiness. Join Erica as she explores ways you can create a healthy balance of financial wellness and replace limiting beliefs and bad habits to harmonize your journey toward total emotional and financial wellness. Let's get started. Life is not static. Shocks and pitfalls will throw you off course and force you to recalculate. In the first part of her two-part series on transitions, host Erica Cummings reviews four stages common to most times of change. I'm Patrice Sikora. Now, Erica, these changes can be small or large, but I guess the question is, do we give them enough attention? I think it depends on the situation, Patrice. I will talk today about small changes and big changes. And I think if the last couple of years has taught us anything, it is that change and transition are inevitable in life. Life as we know it today will change many times. And we often are still ourselves, but the way we work, our routines, our patterns, and our relationships will get disrupted. Any of us that have recognized what's happened over the past two years with the pandemic, I'm sure everything about our lives changed. This was a unique situation that that truly did apply to all of us. What we want to talk about today are those things that will shift and change in your life that are more personal to us, things that we are experiencing in our own lives and how we can really deal with it. Each pivotal event, we try our best to fully complete this transition from the life where it used to be to the next chapter. And we do this repeatedly throughout life. And we have mistakes and fumbles and we have regrets, both large and small. My experience has been that our financial, our emotional, physical, and relationship health are often compromised during these changes. So I think that's the part that we don't necessarily give enough attention to or perhaps prepare for. When we think about big events that define kind of new stages of our lives, we think about the loss of a spouse or a divorce or taking on caregiving responsibilities, job changes, retirement, the list goes on and on and on. And as women, we often experience more of these simply because we live longer and we generally have the longevity that would allow for more of these transitions. And while we're doing it, we're juggling several balls simultaneously, doing all we can and hoping for the best. And as we know, culture wants us to prepare for these big events, deal with them efficiently and get back to normal. We want to just kind of brush them off and move on. But efficiency is not usually the best option. And again, this is where we need to kind of focus more. We know the change is occurring, but we're not necessarily putting enough time in. It really, these types of events call for us to pay attention, to be thoughtful, to be self-aware. It's a time for us to rethink and reboot. It's not the event that's the big deal. We know it happens. We obviously know when someone has passed on, we know that there's been something changing in our career. We're planning for a retirement. We may have to provide caregiving for a family member. It's the reality of what's happening inside of people as a result. It's how those thoughts and feelings affect their lives and what can be done to minimize the bad and amplify the good. This knowledge will help you when it's your turn to navigate the gap between the way life used to be and what's coming next. 
I have had clients say that in that gap, they don't feel like themselves. They're in a parallel universe and they'd prefer to just get to the other side as quickly as possible. But many times quickly is not always the best. And this is especially true when it comes to the financial part of the transition. For a lot of women, these pivotal life events can often result in a sudden change of financial ownership and responsibility. When you lose a spouse, you're the one that's going to be taking care of all of the household financial responsibilities. And the decisions that you make during these pivotal events can have impacts on their entire future. So if we think about what culture wants us to do is move forward, get moving, figure out what you know the next phase is going to be. When we're making these huge decisions, quick is not always best. Our experience has shown us that often the best outcomes come from education, empowerment, and understanding. And as you know, Patrice, this podcast is dedicated to strong women. We conquer our days with incredible power and resiliency, but even the strongest woman can get derailed when facing a life-altering event, like a divorce or the loss of a loved one. My goal is to help women navigate these financial transitions so they may be less likely to give up and just get it over with, and instead be positioned to go the distance and perhaps discover, rethink, and transform into the next great version of themselves rather than rush into the new. That being said, change is sometimes unexpected, sometimes unwanted and frequently uncomfortable. And that's why we're here today because it's so important to understand how to manage change and know that it's not easy. The journey can be tough and exhausting, but during times like these, this is where we can get ready and understand the stages that we're going to go through. And our experience over the last two decades has really helped us be a partner for our clients and help them going through these stages. Erica, that was a wonderful overview. And now let's get into those four stages. Uh, as you say, everyone goes through this. It's how you deal with it that helps you get through to the other side. So Absolutely. So what we've discovered over the years is that there's typically four stages of transition. Whether a change is motivated by a choice or chance, there's a distinct pattern for how we internalize and respond to life-altering transitions. Our experience working with women in transition has shown us that though the timeline for the stages vary across people and events, the qualities and the challenges of the stages are fairly consistent. We've identified these stages as Number one, anticipation, two is ending, three is passage, and four is new normal. Whoa. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just thinking, well, ending and then passage. I that, know. That, I would think they'd be the other way around, but when you think about it, no, it does end, and then you have to make that that move, that get across the chasm. Oh, Absolutely. Right, great. great, start with anticipation. So anticipation is the only phase that may or may not occur depending on situation. So some events happen suddenly and for them, there's no anticipation stage. So we've all had situations where we wake up one morning and life is suddenly completely changed mm -hmm. and we could not have anticipated it. For all others, the moment you become aware of the possibility of the event, whether it's a shift in your marriage and the possibility of a separation, or you're thinking about retiring, or you notice that a parent is not doing as well as they used to, so you may have to take on those responsibilities. At that moment is where we start to think about the anticipation of the transition. That's where your personal narrative begins to shift 
and you've entered this phase. During anticipation, typically what we see is our expectations start to change, our relationships can change, and our focus can change. And this can lead to challenges in all areas, but a lot of the time we see people kind of challenged to think clearly at this point. So think about if mom or dad are not feeling well and you're starting to see a decline, it's hard to think clearly. These are emotional situations where you, you, you're just, your ability to be pragmatic and strategic is gonna be compromised by the emotional connection you have to whatever you're going through. It can be challenging to prioritize and make decisions. It can be challenging to create and maintain healthy boundaries and to be able to handle yourself well in any type of situation, social, whatever it might be, because you're stressed, you're stressed, your mental health is being compromised. And so you start to see that you, the person you were prior to this anticipation is changing. All right. So what can we do? The priority during this phase is preparation for an event that might not have a definitive date. So like I said, when it comes to a loss of a spouse, this perhaps could be completely unexpected. But if your spouse is sick, or if your parents are becoming ill, or if you have a feeling that maybe your marriage is not going to go in the direction that you had hoped for, you need to start pre preparing for all possible scenarios. It might not happen at all. However, it's good to be prepared. So I always say tips for kind of a healthy anticipation stage are to cultivate a growth mindset about the event and the entire transition process. We can very easily become fixed in how we think things are going to go, which can really cause us to be just devastated. And it's difficult for us to look objectively at all of our decisions. I like journaling. Mm -hmm. I like to write thoughts down about what our hopes and our concerns are and, and what we think might be coming. You wanna identify and manage expectations both yours and those of around you. So if it is caring for a parent, for example, you may have very differing views than siblings or even your other parent. So you wanna make sure you're managing those expectations. And then this is a big one, avoid making huge decisions, purchases or commitments involving money that kind of only exist in your head at this point. What do you, you mean? Don't wanna, yeah. Well, for example, let's say you're starting to anticipate a possible divorce. Now is not the time to be making any big decisions financially. At this point, you haven't divorced. At this point, you haven't even moved to where you think you're going to divorce. What you should be doing is preparing yourself for the possible divorce. In your mind, you might be envisioning what the other side is going to look like, but I wouldn't say, let's go pull a bunch of savings out and start your own business. <laughs> now is not the time for that. So you want to kind of put a pause on things so that you can really take stock of what's going on around you and, and start to anticipate what the next steps are going to look like. All right. Then stage two is ending. Yeah, this sounds, it, it sounds, this is a very difficult conversation because, you know, oftentimes these are extremely emotional transitions. Ending is when that particular aspect of your life, as you knew it has come to an end whether it's a marriage, the life of a loved one, maybe it's a career, maybe it's something great. Like you've been living for decades, paycheck to paycheck, and you've been stressed about money all the time. And suddenly you wake up one morning and go, you know what? I'm not there anymore. 
I am financially independent. This is a positive thing, but it does, you do have to recognize that mm -hmm. the person you were before, the, the, you can maybe take a vacation now. I've seen this with a lot of clients who live their entire lives being extremely conservative. All of a sudden they get into retirement. It's very hard to, to switch that button and say, go on a vacation. But there is no going back at this point. So the reason we call it ending is it's truly ending. During this phase, we often feel grief. And a lot of times that grief may go undetected by others. So people may not know you're putting up a good front. They may not realize how much grief you're going through. Other times the reverse is true or everyone else sees it, but you. Mm. So grief doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of crying. Grief could be in the form of anger. It could be that you are internalizing or, you know, we've all had situations where we're more passive aggressive. Um, you may not be the one that notices it. It might be everybody else. Oftentimes our relationships are shifting and changing at this point. Our feelings about meaning and purpose can change and decision-making can become very challenging. And I've often seen that decision paralysis as an impulsive behavior. So our initial reaction is to just do nothing. There's too many decisions. So I'm just going to crawl into bed, put the covers over my head and, and call it a day. Right. All right. Well, then with all this coming up, what can you do? So what we need to do is slow down, take your time and learn how to manage the change that has occurred. Resist the urge to rush through it. It is a natural and necessary stage of the transition process. What if you, what I, if you can't slow down though? What if you don't have the time to slow down or you don't feel you have the time? So what we want to do is remind ourselves that endings, even the saddest sort, eventually lead to new beginnings. So we want to say, obviously, when someone passes away, there's urgent decisions that need to be made. Those are the decisions that you should be making. Mm -hmm. So funeral arrangements, if you have to call an attorney, there are things that you absolutely can't crawl under a rock and just deny. But the big decisions don't have to be made. And a lot of times we feel like we just want to, we're in so much pain. We're in so much discomfort that we just want it to go away. And so we think that if we can just get through this part, then we'll start to heal. But this is where mistakes can be made. And also this is where we are not taking the time to truly feel the emotions and go through that stage. And a lot of times we can get overwhelmed and just say, I, I want this to go away. You should not let anyone, including yourself, deter you from taking the time you need to feel your feelings and experience your experience. Rushing rarely is a good idea. Mm -hmm. And just remember that ending can take months, at least. I've had situations where divorces, for example, can take years and the, and the ending is still not there. You're still in the thick of it. You haven't been able to move forward. So we have to just make sure that we're making the decisions that are appropriate for that particular time and only make the ones that are urgent then. Okay. Okay. All right. Then the one that I thought would be number two, but is number three <laughs> is passage. Passage. Yeah. At this point where we're kind of through the ending and the numbness and the shock of the actual event has somewhat worn off and it's being replaced with a little bit of a sense of awakening. If, if we take a minute to think back to some of these big changes that have occurred in our own lives, this is where you look back and you remember there was a time period where it just didn't hurt as much mm -hmm. or you weren't in that state of shock and you at least started to feel like, okay, perhaps tomorrow will be better than today. 
This is, is an adaptation of the person that you are. It's a time when you let go of old ideas about your life and explore new ones. And you're kind of inching ever closer to that fourth stage, which we said is the new normal. This doesn't happen overnight. And actually passage can be one of the longest stages of transition. It can take years and it can be exhausting. Mental and physical fatigue are often common. So we're healing at this point. We've all been in that situation where something happens and all your friends and family are around. They're bringing casseroles and they're coming over for wine at night, whatever it might be. Even the celebration, you're retiring, big parties and everybody's getting together and it's this joyous moment. And then it ends. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it's like this big buildup. And then January 2nd comes and it's, oh gosh, okay. Time it's to over. get back to, it's yeah, done. time pay the bills, get back to work. And you know, all that joy is over with. And so this is where it's time to kind of slowly move into what version you're going to create for yourself. And unfortunately it can be exhausting because it can take a while. You might see your work performance and your personal relationships suffer as a result of the timeline. We've all known people that we look back and say, wow, they did really well during that transition. And then we have some that we can say they, they really had a tough time, even COVID. There are people that looked at COVID like it was great, got to be home, everything was wonderful. And then there's other people that were really depressed because of what we went through. So time could, this, this could also be a dangerous time for you. It can. I mean, this is where we see a lot of people buffer. So we can see people taking on bad habits because it's a way of coping. So we really have to, you know, kind of be we have to recognize the pressure that's out there. And we have to recognize that our emotions can really be at their peak. Um, there's uncertainty around who we are and who we were has changed. And you're probably going to notice that you're becoming someone new, but you may or may not be happy with it at that point. You aren't that person yet. Um, so you're, you're really not sure what you want to be, but that's okay. The other big thing during this time is unsolicited advice is everywhere. Oh, I can believe that especially nowadays with social media and, you know, you can actually find the unsolicited advice all on your own, which I could argue <laughs> is solicited advice. We tend to Google things and we're looking for checklists on how we can move forward. It's going to be overwhelming, but remember that there is actual good advice out there and that people who have been on the road you're traveling can be invaluable guides. This is where we see people going to different either self-help groups, or we see people joining different um, clubs and just trying to put themselves out there as the new person. So if you were married and you became divorced or you lost your spouse, you're probably going to seek out clubs and organizations with other people that are now in your situation. This helps you to envision the new version of you, as opposed to being out with perhaps people that were living the life that you had before, which can certainly keep you stuck. So to me, the best important work during this phase is to be mindful. You want to be mindful of what you're going through, mindful of how you really feel about it, and mindful of how and why you respond or react to the past and the present as you do. And then really be mindful of the possibilities that you have as you move forward to the future. Like I said, this can take a very long time. You are allowed to make mistakes, but it's really important that you reach out to 
the people around you, whether personally or professionally to help guide you through this so that you don't look back at this time with any regrets. All right, then we are at stage four. Yes, stage four is the new normal. Now you are living your new life and you have fully integrated the event that began your transition. I think of this when I think about my grandmother, for example, my grandfather passed away when she was 66. My grandfather was 75. I think she always knew in the back of her mind that he was going to obviously pass on first. I don't think she knew she was going to lose him that early. It was devastating, absolutely devastating. They were, they're the couple that I hope my husband and I end up being all through the rest of our lives. They were just in love right until the end. And it, I just think about the stages she went through and, and she, she literally embodied these phases. And I look at her now and how she can talk about him and look at pictures and just have joy in it. It's when you have arrived at the best possible outcome and accepted that the event was part of your personal narrative. It was part of your, your past and you can talk about it in the past tense. Oftentimes this is where we see people move on in relationships. People remarry after they lose their spouse. People remarry after getting divorced. The kids end up being okay. This is when we are now in that we're through that difficult phase of passage and, and things are easier. We have our ability to have our composure and to collaborate. We have the ability to be present again. We regain our self-confidence, our ability to make decisions and feel good about where we're going. We have comfort in both short-term and long-term planning. So we're not feeling that sense of urgency anymore. The decisions have been made. They've been well-planned out. And your success with replacing bad habits with good ones are more often than the other way around. So those buffering habits that we talked about before, recognizing that they, they were just a short-term fix, not a long-term solution. And at this point, we are, we're kind of ready to embody the new version of ourself, whatever that might be. So during this time, your goal is to harness that renewed energy and confidence you feel and use it to thrive in the new life you've built. So we want to optimize our new normal by considering other people and respect their communication styles and share in, in your new life changes with other people. This is where relationships start to form that we never anticipated forming. We want to be clear with ourselves and others about your expectations. So you got new boundaries now. Things have changed. You don't necessarily need what you needed during passing. And you kind of want to communicate those expectations. And especially if they have shifted significantly from the person you were before. Think about after somebody goes through a divorce, they've, they have new boundaries now. They have things that they absolutely know they, they don't want to have in the future. We want to make sure that we're communicating them. We want to make lists of the things and the people and the places that ground you, the things that, that got you through that passage phase, because remember that we can always have a moment where we start to go backwards. It's important to know the tools that worked and have that list of resources, and then be open to exploring and reimagining and seeing these possibilities as they emerge as time goes on. Erica, how long on average does this process take? You, you were talking about years, but can you give me a ballpark? It's hard to say because it really depends on 
I think a lot, and this is why we're doing this podcast. A lot of this can depend on your preparation. And, you know, my wheelhouse is the financial preparation and I have incredibly close relationships with my clients as well. So, you know, we're there emotionally for them, but the financial part is pretty black and white. It's the emotional part. That's, that's the real time Mm -hmm. here. And that's the part that I, the more you kind of lean into it and the more that you go through these phases and know that it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but also to recognize when you're stuck and to have people around you that are going to help you go through that certainly makes the time go quicker. But as I mentioned in a divorce, for example, the legal battle could be what it is. And that was part of, you know, this is something that when we went through COVID think about how many people their divorces were prolonged, estate closures were prolonged. So we have to be prepared that unfortunately our timeline may not be what we want it to be. So that's why I think journaling, being mindful, being present and knowing what's going on is, is probably the best way to get through it regardless of the timeline. All right. So wrap this up for us because I'm, I know we're going to go into part two in the next episode. Yes. And I think this is going to be a great, a great flow into the next, uh, next episode. Yeah. So the next episode, um, we're going to talk about what are some of the steps, regardless of the transition that we can go through um, from a financial standpoint. And then what do we do when we're exhausted? In closing, if I were to ask you to tell me about your life from March, 2020 until today, like most others, you would tell me a story about the various ways your life twisted and turned, nudged or shocked you into evolving into the person you are today. I distinctly remember when everything shut down, we came home. It was a beautiful spring day in upstate New York, which is rare. And we had the fire pit going outside and all the neighbors were over having drinks. And we're saying, geez, we could enjoy this little forced vacation for a couple of weeks. If somebody had said to me, (laughs) get ready for two years, I would have said, you are absolutely insane. The pandemic was such a unique experience and that the entire world humanity as a whole experienced a life altering change. We all have stories of the past two years and what happened to us. It was a major transition. That is after all what life does. And it is what it is. Life is a series of things that happen to us. And because of us that we adapt to either well, or not so well with intention or haphazardly and without much thought. As creatures of narrative, we constantly tell ourselves and those around us who we are through story. And when something dramatic changes in our lives, either by design or not, that changes who we are. I think everyone can agree that we never want to experience another transition like a pandemic in our lifetimes, but we are very likely to experience our own personal changes, both small and large. And our ability to navigate through them can be critical to ensuring a healthy and vibrant future. Erica, how can listeners reach you? You can find us on our website, harmonyfinancialwellness.com. You can email us for information at erica.cummings at rbc.com. I also, um, on LinkedIn, by my name, Erica Cummings, we have a Facebook page for Harmony Financial Wellness as well, and obviously just keep listening. And of course, follow this podcast to make sure you know when the latest episode is ready for you. Please share with others, especially the women in your life, and look for part two of this discussion. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest as of the date of this recording, is subject to change without notice, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks including possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investments should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index.